0: We're in the Sermon on the Mount. It's printed for you there in your order of service. Or you may turn to Matthew 7, verse 7 and following in your own scripture and follow. Or you can just listen to me read. Let's now turn our attention to the Word of God. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You may be seated. Those critics that would accuse the teachings of Jesus in this instance to be borrowed or plagiarized have a field day with a handful of these verses or these passages in the Sermon on the Mount because they claim that this was material that was found elsewhere in some of the rabbinic writings of the Talmud of the Babylonian rabbis and other places in ancient literature we find, for example, we will come up on the golden rule pretty soon. That's found in other places other than the words of Jesus. Is it not surprising to you to know that our Lord was aware of something besides just his own thoughts in the scriptures and that he incorporated in it that divine wisdom which is given to Man and man in his sinfulness warped and and trotted upon it, but nevertheless it has been reserved and preserved, and the Lord brings it specially to our attention. But the thing I want us to see is the application Jesus gives. He asks someone to knock if someone asks, they'll receive. If someone seeks, they'll find. If someone knocks, the door will be opened. And then he gives two brief illustrations and saying, don't you know that if you being evil or you being far inferior to your heavenly father in your compassion and in your love, if you're willing to give the very best gifts to your children and not give them harmful gifts, don't you think the mindset and the love of the father is equal to or better than that? Don't you think your heavenly father will give good things, good gifts to those who ask him? Well, Jesus made an application. Asking, seeking, and knocking need an object. You need to ask for something. You need to seek or pursue something. You need to knock seeking entry into something. And in this instance, the Lord doesn't give us any objects. We think the obvious one would be to ask the Lord for salvation, to ask the Lord for grace and mercy. To seek first the kingdom of God. We've seen that so far. And then in terms of knocking, if we'll knock upon the door, Christ said, I am the door. And no one enters in except by me. And so we are to come to Christ. He is that narrow gate to the narrow way, which we'll read a little more about in a a couple of weeks here in our passage. But Jesus gives a specific application in the gospel of Luke. And that's where I want to turn this morning. And I want to take a particular direction, and please follow me. Uh, If you're filling out the questions that are in the bulletin about the sermon, I just may not answer any of them. (laughs) If I do, it's an accident. But I want us to go somewhere. And just for a few minutes, I want us to dwell upon something that I think that it is uh, important for every Christian to really remind themselves of. Listen to the passage as Jesus teaches in Luke. Now, the same material that's in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount is material that is scattered throughout the other gospels among the various teachings of Jesus. In fact, a chunk of that passage is delivered on, on a level place, and they call it the Sermon on the Plain or the Teaching on the Plain. Some of it was talked about as Jesus walked along the way. Is it surprising to anybody to think that Jesus taught the same thing repeatedly over and over to different audiences and different occasions and had very similar words and sometimes maybe a change of, of point of view or application and that's what happens with this passage when we get to Luke and I think it's an important application that Jesus makes with respect to asking when at the very last verse he says if you then are evil this is Matthew, uh, Luke 11 verse uh, 13 says uh, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus tells us what the asking is all about. It's asking for the Holy Spirit. The great promise of John the Baptist when he came preaching was that John said, I baptize with water. It was a baptism of cleansing, a baptism of repentance. But he said, I introduce to you the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that's really what Jesus Christ has come to do is to bring with Him the very Spirit of God proceeding from the Father, proceeding from the Son and to give to His people the very Holy Spirit of God. The prophets had borne witness to this. Jeremiah talked about it in his book, that the Lord would pour out His Spirit. Ezekiel talked about it in his book. Joel talked about it in his prophecy. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter, preaching to the multitude there, who had gathered from all over the world, says that what's happening now, that is this manifestation of the coming of the Spirit of God, is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel there's always two sides to a story there's always at least two opinions there's always two schools of thought first school of thought was that these early christians here were drunk with wine that's a pretty interesting analysis of their behavior but peter gave the true analysis of their behavior these people are being baptized they're being overwhelmed They are being doused and sprinkled with the Spirit of God as He is being poured out upon them in a very real way. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit on that day. And Peter says in in Acts 2.38 that it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see the tie-in? Jesus said, the Father will give you good gifts and then in luke he specifically says what the good gift is the father will give you the holy spirit so that's the direction i want to take in the few minutes we have is something about the coming of the holy spirit to god's people now just before jesus was crucified he met with his disciples after his i mean after his uh, ascension he had already been crucified buried and raised again and he was spending a period of approximately 6 weeks appearing to his disciples in various places various times indoors outdoors daytime nighttime out in the cold in the, in the warm So they weren't really having hallucinations, they were really seeing him. Most of the time when they saw him, they didn't believe it was him. And then they convinced themselves, the Bible says, by many infallible proofs that he was alive from the dead. And those glorious days there when Jesus was already raised from the dead to newness of life in his new body, in his resurrected body, And yet still in his body, it was a bodily resurrection, but before he ascended bodily into heaven, that period of time in between, Jesus did a lot of his teaching and a lot of his appearing to his disciples. And one of the things he did during that period of time was he looked at his disciples and breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And then just before He ascended, He told them that you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you shall be witnesses. This is empowerment for witness. The empowerment by the Spirit of God to be a witness to God. That theme is is alluded to 40 times in the book of Isaiah. Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And over and over, Isaiah says, God says through the prophet Isaiah, you are my witnesses. And so that's the power of the Spirit has come upon God's people. Before, that's why I made, I guess, the slip of the tongue a moment ago, but just before Jesus' crucifixion, in the upper room, he had a lot of things that he had to deal with, with his disciples, their sorrow of his impending departure, their confusion. Their fear. Uh, One of the things that happened there in the hours of that evening was the partaking of the Last Supper with them, where he instituted the Lord's table, which we will enjoy in just a moment. But one of the things he did is he taught his disciples a considerable number of things. And then, of course, he had a prayer, what we call the high priestly prayer. And then, of course, the arrest in the garden and then the trial and the crucifixion of Christ taking place that evening and overnight and into the next morning, all of those dynamic events. Well, John's gospel, which is the gospel that gives us the long discourses of Christ, uh, goes into a lot of detail about the conversations and the discourses that the Lord gave, uh, has several passages in it that speak some reference the very words of Christ. All these are the words of Christ talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the triune God, the mighty spirit spirit of God. God is a most pure spirit, says our confession. And the Holy Spirit is is certainly that. But here's some of the things, and I think uh, if you keep a note, it's going to be about 12 things. Uh, They're they're coupled in, in four or five passages, and I'm going to just read the passage and comment briefly as we see what is this promised gift. What is this gift that we are to ask the Father for and that we'll receive? And so Jesus begins. He said, I will ask the Father. I will ask the Father. And He will give you another helper that we know very well. The, the, uh, the word there, it's the word that means an advocate, a lawyer, or someone that's called alongside to render aid and to give encouragement. Uh, and that's, that's who the Holy Spirit is is in relation to the christian he is that one that does a number of things we shall enumerate them as we go he he is the one who is is going to be with them and be in them so jesus continues says i will give you another and the word another is the word of another of the same sort of the same kind so, so there is no difference in the kind of comfort, in the kind of help, in the kind of resource, in the kind of advocate that the Holy Spirit is than that Jesus Christ himself is. For you see, they are one God, two distinct persons with the Father, three distinct persons, but one divine eternal essence, all for all eternity. They're all eternal. So he's disclosing to them this unique work of his spirit to be with you forever over and over and over in the teaching of the Lord we get to pick up on this notion of eternality things that are forever everlasting life and things that that last forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then a little later, the Lord says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Lord will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here's the Spirit. He's a Helper. He's in you. He's with you. He's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Isn't that remarkable? How that the Lord didn't leave the disciples to their own vague memories. The Holy Spirit was to teach them and to bring to their minds things that Christ had taught One of the problems we have in Christianity today is there are folks that get enamored with the person of the Holy Spirit and they start attributing attributing things to Him that He does, they say, and that He acts, they say, but it is not identical of the same sort and in congruity with what Christ taught. The work of the Holy Spirit is a work that is always supportive of and reflective of and derivative of the words and the work of Christ. He comes to teach that which Christ taught and to remind the disciples. In fact, this was a pretty uh, important vehicle in the life of the disciple because it is through this ministry of the Holy Spirit that we have the inspired and scripturated words of the 27 documents of the New Testament. And each one of the gospels that we have that tell us about the teachings of Christ primarily was associated with the work of one of these apostles. Matthew and John were original disciples. They heard the Lord say these things. And the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance the things that Jesus had taught, and they inscripturated it in their Gospels. Peter was one one of Jesus' disciples. He heard all of these things. He was there, and the Holy Spirit reminded him of it. And Peter preached and proclaimed, And he had a young man take down notes, an amanuensis, a young scribe by the name of John Mark, who recorded the words of Peter. And that's Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel is Peter's gospel. And there was an apostle that was not here, but argues vociferously that he has an equal authority with these apostles because he too had seen the Lord. He was just called out of season. The apostle Paul And the Apostle Paul needed someone to record, to to recall the things that Jesus had said and what Jesus had taught. Paul even includes in his epistle something that we won't find in the Gospels. Paul tells us that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's nowhere in the Gospels. But Paul knew Jesus said it because the Holy Spirit had, had given him a memory and an awareness of the things of God and the teachings of Christ. And Luke, who was an associate of Paul in massive amounts of his travel time, if you according to the book of Acts, Luke got all this material together from Paul and he, and he tells us in his gospel in the first few verses how he went about his work and he gave us the life of Christ according to Luke, which is Paul's gospel. So we have four great apostles with four great gospels, but this is the work of the inspiration of the Spirit who has, who has uh, taught them all these things and brought these things to their remembrance. Well, hurrying on. Over in chapter 15, I'm just going to sketch through these uh, these few verses. But when the helper comes, the paraclete, the advocate, whom I will send to you from the Father. Notice the proceeding here comes from the father the father sends the son the father and the son send the spirit and they come and he comes the spirit comes sent from the father by me jesus says the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will bear witness about me and you will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning It was one of the qualifications for an an apostle, a foundational preacher and teacher of the New Testament church, was they had to be one who had been with the Lord from the beginning. And therefore they had eyewitness testimony from the ministry of Christ from the very beginning of, of his ministry. And the Spirit of God is the one that makes this all happen. He's the one that bears the witness. He's the one that speaks about Christ. It's interesting to me that those that get a little enamored and get a little off base with an understanding of the person and work of the Holy Spirit of God get so wrapped up in the Holy Spirit they forget that the Holy Spirit said, the Lord's not going to testify. The Spirit doesn't testify of Himself. He testifies of me. So it seems like to me the more of the Holy Spirit that's in your life and in your church and in the dynamic of your everyday living, the more Christ is central. And the Holy Spirit is the witness to Christ and enables us to be witnesses as well. Well, a few verses on now, we're in chapter 16 there in John, if you're following along. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is advantageous that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Jesus in His body was confined still to time and space. And He did not have the ubiquity He had laid aside so many of the exercise of His divine attributes and prerogatives in His humbling and in His emptying. The Holy Spirit is somewhere. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's going to be somewhere. He's going to return and we will see Him. But the incarnation of Christ is continuing. He was crucified, buried in a body, buried in a body, raised in a body, ascended in a body, will return in a body But the Holy Spirit of God, of course, is that eternal spirit that is not embodied. He is able to be everywhere. The omnipresence and the ubiquity of God is manifested absolutely perfectly in the third person of the Trinity, for he is everywhere. The helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, and then he names three things here that are gospel oriented, he will Convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. If we're listening to the Spirit of God, we're listening to some subject matter and we're listening and paying attention to a ministry He has given. He is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. How many of our sermons are about sin? righteousness, and judgment. That's the theme of Holy Ghost preaching. And if you want to have true Holy Ghost preaching, you need a man that talks about sin and how it ruins us and sends us to hell. Righteousness of God that's been revealed from heaven in the gospel, in the finished work of Christ, who died in our place and who satisfied all of God's wrath and establishes all of God's justice and judgment that we will all stand before a judgment bar of God and give an account for every deed done in the body. No one will escape a judgment. It awaits everyone a judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. You want to hear Holy Ghost preaching? Then you need to hear some sermons on sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then uh, one more passage As we continue over in... uh, I'm still in uh, 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He's the teacher. He's the one that is the ultimate discerner of the spirits. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Here we have the authority of the Holy Spirit is He will not have an original message. The Holy Spirit will not be so... uh, capricious and free that he'll do just any old wild crazy idiotic thing he wants to do and there's a lot of things going on if you people haven't been paying attention to some of the things that are going on in churches in our country then you just haven't been awake in the last 10 years it's unbelievable But the Spirit of God does not act like that. He does not teach like that. He does not do that. Everything he has to give, he has received from the Father. He will not speak of his own authority, but he will speak what he hears. Jesus said, my Father works and I work. That's the language of apprenticeship. Well, the language here is the Spirit being absolutely in conformity with everything the Father has decreed, set forth, and done, and everything that Christ has accomplished and taught. And, and all the rest of it. The Holy Spirit is, is, is absolutely one with the Father and the Son. It has no deviation, no message, no variation from what God taught and told Moses, what Jesus taught and told His disciples. Whatever He hears, He will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. There is a prophetic element in the Spirit. And then He will glorify me If you want to be in a real holy ghost meeting go to a meeting where they don't talk about the holy ghost they talk about jesus christ the savior of the world the one who died for you the one who loved you the one who gave himself for you the one who laid down his life for you hear him this is my beloved son hear him the lord said from heaven he will glorify me he will take what is mine and declare to you All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine and will declare it unto you. Well, I've got a few more notes, but not a few more minutes. Let me just tell you, I think the most important thing you can do when it comes to asking is to ask for the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer... Call upon God to save you, to send His Spirit in to wash you and regenerate you. Apply the blood of Christ to your soul so that you are covered with the blood with an everlasting atonement, forgiven of all your sins, declared to be righteous in the sight of God, ready to pass that judgment that you'll face someday. Ask. Ask. If you are a believer, ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit in all of your life to work that sanctifying work in your life that you need toward holiness and pleasing to God. Ask for the Holy Spirit.